Hello and welcome again to the Rolling with Old Cars podcast, brought to you by the editors at Old Cars Magazine, celebrating 50 years in the hobby this year. You can check us out in print or visit us online at www.oldcarsweekly.com or through our various social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter. I'm Brian Ernest, uh, the editorial director at Old Cars, and today I'm joined by our military vehicles expert, John Adams Graff, better known to most folks as JAG, and JAG is the longtime editor of both Military Vehicles and Military Trader Magazine, so he pulls double duty in both the vehicle and collectibles ends of things. And Jag, thanks for joining us. Hey, before we get into specific MV questions, for the uninitiated here, uh, military vehicle collectors, what kind of vehicles are we talking about? What are the kind of the bread and butter vehicles uh, and the backbone of this hobby? Well, thanks, Brian, for having me on today. Um, that's a good question. You know, we have in Military Vehicles Magazine about 10,000 subscribers. And by far, the most common or most popular vehicle is the ubiquitous Jeep. Everybody loves a Jeep. Uh, World War II Jeeps, it doesn't stop there. It goes into the Korean War. Uh, in Vietnam, they're still driving a four by four quarter ton vehicle that they call a Jeep. It's it's a long way from the original one from 1940, but Jeeps are the backbone of our hobby. Quickly followed by that are three quarter ton weapons carriers, the Dodge trucks. Uh, on the civilian side, people see them and they say, hey, it's a power wagon. Well, that power wagon was born out of Dodge's military contracts. And between three-quarter ton Dodge trucks and Jeeps, uh, that is the vast majority of what we see in the hobby. Now, talking about Jeeps, um, you wanted to, to talk about the uh, famous legend of the Jeep in a crate. And in the, the old car hobby, there's the Cobra in a barn or Hemi in a barn. In the military <laughs> vehicles, we got a Jeep in a crate. What, what's the story on that? Where did that tale come from? Well, I'm going to date myself on that one because I can tell you 40 years ago when popular mechanics arrived in the mail, I always looked at the classifieds and there was always an ad in the classifieds and popular mechanics and, and, uh, um, Oh, I can't think of the other magazine right now, Popular Mechanics, and oh boy, there was a second one. Um, but it always had an ad for, you can buy a Jeep and a crate for $50, a, a surplus Jeep and a crate. Now, that has actually become, in the ensuing 40 or 50 years, the true unicorn of the military vehicle hobby. Uh, People have put out bounties. Daryl Bensinger of uh, Beachwood Canvas has offered a $10,000 bounty to anyone that can provide evidence of having bought a surplus World War II Jeep in a crate for $50. And what it was, it was a way to introduce people to the surplus market because there was so much military surplus material uh, left after World War II, it was everywhere, and they were having auctions. And that was the teaser that they used. You could buy a Jeep in a crate. Well, I've said for years, if there are any existing Jeeps in a crate, they're in the bottom of the Bering Sea in, in a freighter that was going to Russia with Lend-Lease. To this date, no one has produced any tangible evidence Although everyone, just like unicorns and the Loch Ness Monster, 
everyone has a story about they know somebody that bought a Jeep in a crate or they heard that their uncle had bought one and used it for years, but nobody's been able to produce a bill of sale, a photograph of them standing next to their Jeep in a crate when they bought it in 1946. So that, that, be, that is uh, one of the enduring legends in our hobby. And uh, I have to say on our website, I, I put what I think are meaningful, in-depth articles about military vehicles. The most popular article that we have is about a Jeep and a crate. <laughs> now, it, it may not be for $50, uh, but the good thing about military vehicles is, first of all, vehicles aren't impossible to find. It's not like looking for a needle in a haystack if you're interested. And you can really get in relatively cheap. I mean, you don't have to break the bank and go into hock. To, to dabble in the military vehicle market. You're absolutely right. And this last year, uh, sitting in my, in my uh, little office, looking at my computer almost 23 hours a day, it seems, during the COVID, um, I have noticed that over and over. I, you probably remember, others know that I had a pension for old Porsches. Well, I'm priced out of that game. Old Porsches are no longer a part of my future. However, for eight or $10,000, I can buy myself a really nice, ready-to-drive military Jeep. It might be a 1950s Korean War vintage. Uh, you can get into a World War II Jeep and be driving it tomorrow for probably $12,000, you know, 10 to between 10 and $14,000. They're very affordable. Um, as I tell people, if the military bought one, they bought thousands of whatever it is. So you aren't looking for that needle in the haystack. You're not looking for uh, that AC Cobra 002 serial number. You're looking for one of 300,000 Jeeps that were made during World War II. They are out there. Many have been restored and we're into that second generation where Jeeps are being re-restored, that people are buying those Jeeps that were restored in the 1980s and touching them up. And they are going out for ice cream or driving in a parade a week later after purchasing them. It is a real neat way to get into the hobby and it's a fun way. Nobody, nobody uh, flips you the bird if they see you driving in an old World War II Jeep. All you'll get are thumbs up, cheers, and happy smiles. Now, give me some buying advice here. Okay, I'm in the market, uh, or uh, you know, I'm say I'm a retired military guy, and I've always wanted to have an MV, or just getting to that age where I want a toy. Thinking of getting into this. Give, give me some do's and don'ts, real quick. Um, buying advice, where, where should I start looking? What should I stay away from? Well, the first thing is to um, really decide what you want and not just buy the first thing that comes along. You know, some people will say, oh, there's an old army truck and they'll end up buying it and they get it home. And the first thing they do is, oh, what do I do now? I don't know anything about this. So really getting to know stuff before you purchase is really, really important. I know every collector has been told this. And as a collector myself, I am impetuous and impulsive. If I see something, I will buy it. However, knowing what you're getting into before you buy will save you a ton of grief. And you don't need to make a lot of compromises. If you want a World War II Jeep, 
hold firm. Don't buy, don't buy a 1946 CJ2A, a civilian Jeep. The military Jeeps are out there. That's the first thing I would say is know exactly what you want. Did you drive a three-quarter ton when you were in the service and that's what you like and that's what you want to drive? Then just search for those things. Don't get distracted by all the others because there are a lot of choices out there and it's easy to get in over your head. Second thing I'd say is make sure you have the tools to service it. You know, Don't go and buy a half track and have the tools to work on a Volkswagen. You're going to need all different tools based on the vehicle that you buy. So you think about that, you know, just jacking up a, a military vehicle can be a much heavier experience than it is to jack up a, a fastback Mustang, for example. So make sure you have the tools to uh, take care of the vehicle. Uh, those would be my first is study, decide what you want, and then make sure that you have the adequate supplies and garage space for it. Finally, the one last thing that I always tell anyone that's looking, make sure it has a title. Don't just accept a bill of sale. You'll get yourself into a headache trying to get your vehicle titled. And after all, that's the goal with this is to drive these vehicles. Um, so you want to make sure that the seller has a clear title before you write a check or make the trip to pick up the vehicle. Make sure that paperwork is in order because it does get difficult from state to state uh, to license a, a historic military vehicle. And I guess I would end with that too. Just do a little investigation before you purchase how easy is it in your state to license a historic antique military vehicle? And that's one of those keys. I always suggest the people to use those terms, historic and antique, because you go in the DMV and you say, I want to register my Humvee military vehicle. The way things are these days, people raise an eyebrow and uh, you get a little bit more scrutiny than you really deserve. So I always encourage people to say historic and antique when they talk about their military Jeep or military truck. Real quick, Jag, any any hot trends, you know, anything really hot or, or cold in your market? Have you noticed anything sitting back in front of your computer 23 hours a day for the last year? Is uh, Have there been any real noticeable swings in the market and when what people are interested in these days uh the biggest swing really is humvees uh maybe five years ago it would cost you 40 or fifty thousand dollars to get into an army surplus humvee in that time the government has released humvees to surplus sales just like in the old days of military jeeps now they're not in crates they are heavily used and partially abused but you can get into a humvee right now um, through surplus sales through iron planet that is the uh, government's uh, identified surplus seller iron planet or gov planet um, and a used Humvee can be had for 15000 maybe 12000 It might not have doors on it, and you might need a few accessories, but the engine will fire up and you will be able to get out. Now, the important thing with these Humvees, it's been a very contentious uh, situation. The government released them 
with what they call an SF-97. That is the only document they provide as opposed to a title. Different states are not recognizing these SF-97 documents as legitimate titles, but the military vehicle hobby has been working diligently over the last two or three years to get government uh, motor vehicle departments in various states to recognize these and to license these vehicles for on-road use. The SF-97 only allows it to be licensed as an off-road vehicle. Uh, but that is being changed state by state by state. So that's the only word of caution that I'd use on that. But Humvees are the big thing. And it's nice because our younger veterans, that's what they had experience with. They didn't have uh, experience in, in the old quarter ton Jeeps. They may have had a grandpa or a, a great uncle driving in those, but their familiarity is with these Humvees that are being released onto the market. And they are a very cool vehicle and you can do a lot of modifications with it and you can have a lot of fun driving them. And they are instantaneously recognizable. Right. Um, they're among the vehicles that uh, wind up showing up on your online all-world military vehicles uh, show. Now, Jake started a, an online thing that really took off last year and was really cool. It, and I guess you call it, Jake, the, the all-world military vehicle show, and you're doing it again this year. What do people need to know about that? Well, that is, yeah, we, we created it on Facebook, and this was born out of COVID because nobody had shows to go to. And so I thought, you know what? We can use Facebook and groups, and we can create an online military vehicle show. So I just called it just in the drop of a moment was the all world virtual military vehicle show. And people started sending in their photos uh, and that's all they really need to do is join the group. It's a, it's a Facebook group. You can find it by searching uh, the 2021 all world virtual military group and it will show up. You might have to dig a little bit or the other easy way is just go to the military vehicles magazine, Facebook page, and it's right there pinned with a link. But um, it has been a lot of fun. Last year we had about 111 vehicles entered from all over the world. We had, uh, we had tracked vehicles. We had amphibious vehicles. We had, just a load of Jeeps. Uh, we had everything. And uh, what we do is we ask people then to vote for their vehicle by liking the post. And at the end of the show, which this year's will end on Veterans Day on November 11th, we tally up the votes and those are the winners. And we have small, uh, modest uh, award packages, but you get a little plaque to put in your vehicle or in your shop that says that you won the all-world virtual military vehicle show. The other thing is, is we immediately induct those winners into Military Vehicle Magazine's Hall of Fame. And these are vehicles that get into the Hall of Fame are those that are voted on by our viewers and our readers as the most interesting, the most cool. It doesn't have to be the best restored. It might be just you took the best photos of anybody and they voted for your vehicle the most. And that's actually become a real nice badge of distinction that that inductees are saying, hey, my vehicle is in the Military Vehicles Hall of Fame. And all of a sudden, we didn't realize this, but their vehicle value went up by being in the, in the Hall of Fame. 
so this it was something that was just a way to keep the hobby engaged during the the uh, the virus and during our lockdown. But it has become a regular thing that people look forward to. So we're running at least one a year. This, like I said, our current show ends on Veterans Day, November 11th. So you have time to enter your vehicle and then share those. Share your post with all your friends and have them go in there and click a, a like on it to get your votes. We want to invite folks who haven't checked out Military Vehicles magazine to do so or Jag's other magazine, Military Trader. Jag, if people need to know more about MVs or a Military Trader, where do they go to check you out? We made it easy. We put it both on MilitaryTrader.com. So you'll get there and you will see that we have it uh, half and half for vehicles and for military. So. And it's an easy way to get there and take a look around. And you can always just drop us an email at uh, militaryvehicles at aimmedia.com. Terrific. Well, thanks for the time, Jake. I'm sure followers of this podcast will be hearing more from John frequently in the coming months ahead as we check in with him. But that's going to do it for this episode of our podcast. A reminder to check us out at uh, www.oldcarsweekly.com and on our Facebook page and other social media outlets as we celebrate 50 years in the hobby. Make sure to sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter. If you're not a subscriber to Old Cars, please do so. I'd love to have you on board as we celebrate our 50th birthday this year. I'm Brian Ernest, and for all the folks at our Old Cars headquarters, thanks for joining us on Rolling with Old Cars.